Can't deny it. Uh, won't be denied. All right, so the next track, let's hear a little bit of Love Is Not Enough. Uh, true album opener. <laughs> love's not enough. Am I right? Very bizarre album opener. I know, um, but they both have the word love in it, so we can split a, the difference. This is one of those songs that has like a lot of, lot of the the boop 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 bang bang bang. It's got some weird clang and bang and rhythm to it. It does a little stomp action. Yeah, a little uh, yeah, Blue Man they, group, a little they, live they got on Broadway. Some kids from the subway, and they got their buckets and gave them sticks. <laughs> Maybe that's what his inspiration was, just walking through uh, Canal Street. All right, so Eric, what do you got? What do you think? Uh, so this one, if you look at the album credits, this is the only song on the album that the full live like lineup is credited to playing on the album, which is cool because um, you kind of hear the perfect integration. What I was talking about before is if he's going to go for a straight live band sound on the album, great, but keep, you know, Keep they're not an industrial band anymore. I get that, but keep some of the synths, some of the layers. And this this album, this song does it perfectly. The live band's doing a great job, like setting the stage. And there's like Steve was saying, there's clanks, there's a cool like bass line going on that that uh, sets the tempo, and you think it's slow until things pick up. And um, I think this is an awesome song. Very 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 good song. Um, good groove, just really groovy song. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of my opinion on this one. Fun fact, uh, friend of the show, Brian Strand's band, uh, the, uh, silent game does a cover of the song when they play live. It's awesome. It seems like a, a great song to play live. I mean, it's got everything you need in a nine inch nails song. Um, I, I, I honestly, they used to open, a, uh, their with teeth tour with this song. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I'm like, uh, oh, it'd be a good album opener. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I love this song. It's great. There's a few things that go on with the song that I like. Uh, one thing is that Eric gets mixed by uh, Dave D. Sardi. Um, Ooh, yeah. It's hit. Turn around this. This actually, one thing he started doing in this record more is uh, there's a lot of just uh, hey, ooh, ooh, a lot of that stuff. And on this song, there definitely is the. Uh, like in in between the lyrics, like he just started in between the verses, he started saying "Hey" on the on this track, 
and uh, it's, it amuses me. That kind of, he kind of lightens up on this album a little bit, the, the, some of the vocal delivery. Yeah, and between, I, between some of the shenanigans on All the Love in the World, between the uh, the the the, the and Randy, he do a, like a and like an okay in uh, in the second in uh, you know what you are. I think he does one of those. Well, like it, it's it, a very James I, Brownie you thing. You he goes, go on, get back to where you belong. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. And then on this, you've got the the haze interjected, and then uh, later uh, on. <laughs> On only he's kind of like a guy like walking down the street, kind of just like singing to himself. It's uh, it's loose. Uh, it, it's a loose song. It's a it's a it lurks in the shadows. Um, I do enjoy this song though. Hey, the vocal. It sounds like it'd be fun to play live. That uh, you're really feeding off the energy of the band. That sort of James Brown type technique, mm-hmm. you know, where you're, you know, giving the band a little bit by urging them on with a little bit of that vocalization. Um, I don't know. It's a great song. I like it. Yep. Let's hear a little bit of Every Day is Exactly the Same. the same this song is one of a few centerpiece songs this album that i think sums the entire album up and this song is one of the greatest night nail songs ever written full stop it's a masterpiece there i i opened up the uh the floodgates what do you think it is a uh, pitch perfect song it is the catchiest song that i think they've ever written it's catchy and it's so weird that it's catchy because it kind of it, it 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 lurches along, like it, it has a weird swing. Like it has a great John Bonham esque swinging drum beat that stays consistent throughout the entire song. I think it actually has the same drum beat through the entire song. You know, people have said that the drum beat is very similar to the Foo Fighters song "My Hero." I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm not seeing the melody. I'll, I I guess if I just listen to the isolated drums, I maybe I would. Fine. That's like a really like. There goes my... I don't hear that at all. Every, I know, yeah. The melody is different, but maybe yeah. the drum beat apparently is relatively similar. See, Mark, go ahead and isolate those drum beats uh, when you edit this together. Oh, yeah. Just give me right on that. I'll go to ninmultitracks.com. No, but the way this, the way this song is introed with the just the, pian, the distorted piano, and there's like a whooshing... Uh, coming in. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. And then... The drum start, and yeah. then there's there's Miami Vice since, and the you yeah, know yeah, I believe I can see the future, and it's all just it coalesces together perfectly, just so, for for the verse, oh. and then as you get to the choruses, 
that every day is exactly the same. And the way it swings with this weird, like, womp, 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 that goes on at the same time, it's just uh, overwhelmingly <clears throat> creative. It's, it's such a strange, strange single. Who, who made this a single? It's so bizarre to make this a single. Yeah. Uh, so the first point, I want to just holler back, girl, to Mark, um, who just said, uh, talked about the multi-tracks released on the ninremix.com. That actually, this was the first album that they did that. Every single off this album got released as in multi-track form so fans could edit them and send them in. So I just wanted to just holler to that, and that's all we'll talk about that, although I've maybe submitted a couple myself. <laughs> uh, so uh, as far as my opinion goes... Um, the lyrics in this this song are awesome, and they do they they sum up the theme of the album. You have every you have you know some of the the battles of sobriety. Then you have kind of what we were talking about before, of you know you live your life a certain way for a while, and what you think is reality, and then when you start breaking from that reality, what that feels like, and that's going on here. And I just love that I you know I could believe I can see the future because I repeat the same routine, and um, I mean there's. There's so many ways to look at that, but it's like you you become a soothsayer if you do the same thing all the time, and you you know you and you stick to the same you know the same the same structure because you know what's going to happen well, and because I, you're yeah. creating your own reality. And I also like that I don't if you want to take a, a strictly surface level, this is a great song if you're stuck in a job you hate. Yeah, because there's definitely for a while. Yeah, uh, one of my older gigs, like I would just like listen to the song and be like every goddamn day I do the same shit. Yeah, and uh, it just yeah. sums it up perfectly. Totally. I think, I think it, it go, it's a little bit more complex than that. It is. If, if you want to look is. at it that way, you can. Yeah. And uh, uh, there's a few different pitches and vocal delivery, deliveries on this I really like. Um, one of which is where it, it fades out and it just gets to the piano and the drum. And he does the falsetto and says, mm-hmm. I'm still inside you. Mm-hmm. A little bit comes bleeding through. Yeah. Or I'm still no, yeah, there's some really cool, way, like almost like great. ghost vocals. But then, but then after the ghost vocal part, the part that really it gives me goosebumps every time is where he goes, but I just don't know what else I can do. That mm. part always gets me. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a great song. It's so, a great song. Then, yeah, and too. Steve, I'm not saying this for a fight, but so hear me out before you interrupt me. <laughs> but when I li- every now and then when this song comes on, I'm not going to consider, I don't consider this one of the side project songs. But I, every now and then the music, I almost think like it's a little too catchy and a little too clean cut. And then one of those ghost vocals or one of those things in the background or those Miami Vicens you're talking about, like, just catch me and suck me in and I can't turn it off until it's done. Um, so is this, then this is me kind of growing a little bit, but is this, a, is this that, that noisy bug covered nine inch nails that I, that I, that I love, not necessarily, uh, but it's just a fantastic, uh, fantastic pop song. It's a, it's a really well done song and there's so much hidden in there that I get stuck every time. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on in this, this song, this song places you in a place where you feel like you're trapped in the routine and, but there's still an incredible amount of stuff going on around you and, uh, every day is exactly the same. There is no love here, and there is no pain. It's it's fantastic. So every day, the way he says every at the end uh, mm-hmm. accentuates that V. So apparently, the Grammys thought the song "Mother" by Wolf uh, Mother was a better song, or "Woman" by Wolf Mother was a better song, and that's what the song lost Wolf to. Wolf Mother's terrible band. Terrible band. <laughs> They're just banal and <laughs> garbage. 
Um, and getting back to... Go ahead, Mark. Uh, so yeah, this song is fantastic. There was a music video apparently for this was a single. It had its own little halo designation. They did make a video for it, uh, directed by Francis Lawrence, who directed uh, the movie Constantine, I think. Uh, that guy directed it. Francis Lawrence, but oh. this video uh, you can't really find it anywhere. You can find it. I think there's some stills that you, uh, if you really scrape the internet, you can probably find some. This is some high schoolers made a video that we found. Oh, yeah. oh boy! Oh, so, boy. And we're gonna post that in the show notes, my friends, because that high school music video that we uh, hey, that Steve found up. The show. Hey, they could be. Um, <laughs> so uh, you gotta leave stuff off the Francis internet. Lawrence also did uh, Hunger Games. And uh, I am legend. There you go. I am legend. That's right. Yeah, the- did he do Constantine? Yeah. Okay, he did. Yeah. Did the Hunger Games movie? Yeah. Okay. Um, but there was some drama. Apparently, it was bad that. news. Which one? About this one, right? This is the one where um, there's some cryptic stuff that Trent says about why the video never came out. But basically, it was like we should, you know, uh, it was essentially like we should. We were listening to the wrong people. And this is about when he, when his whole thing with uh, John Malm dissolved, right? Um. Yeah, I think you're I right. Share. Even though this, we're getting to the point where like uh, the, the the record industry is starting to go away. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see a record exec saying, "I don't see a, I don't hear a single here. What are you making a video for this for? You know, why why waste your time and money?" Having said that, there was this uh, website called the uh, NIN Hotline, and every now and then, uh, this guy known as Meathead would release flash videos, and he created a video for this particular song, and after that video, uh, when he says, I used to feel like I had a purpose, uh, I can never not hear him say porpoise. Oh, God, thank you. <laughs> I know I used to have a porpoise. <laughs> Uh, one uh, more thing about the vocal in the song is that towards the end was the every day they start doing uh, there's a lot of more of the vocal layering on this and there are some uh, ooh, croons if you listen for them they're mm-hmm. wonderful yeah this album is has to, it might not have your bug effects that you want buried on it I know but what it does have is it has a ton of vocal layering that you don't get in any of the other records yeah great uh, yeah it's, it is his top notch vocal work absolutely I agree with that. You know, yeah, I was thinking of something you just said, Eric. Um, Excuse me. When you're talking about this, this, this doesn't give you what you think. When you think of Nine Inch Nails, it's not as dense, and this is a little bit more of a, a poppy record or something that's not as cluttered. You, you, you've listened to Pretty Hate Machine, right? I know I mentioned that earlier. We did a podcast about it. Okay. <laughs> because... <laughs> I know. I just I keep coming around to the fact that this is just a different version of Pretty Hate Machine, and I didn't hear you scoff at Pretty Hate Machine in the same way. As a matter of fact, I thought we laughed our I thought we laughed our way through Pretty Hate Machine. We laughed our way through it, but still, you never once said it wasn't Nine Inch Nails. No, it's fair. Uh, I I guess yeah. I guess this kind of ties into the 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 love for synthy like cling clang industrial stuff that I know. I realize they're moving away from that. Um, I, listen, I this is I, I'm loving all, almost everything we're talking about, Steve. So just just l- hear what I'm saying, but but just also know like yeah, every now and then they're verging into, um, you know, what it would sound like for trying to have like just a little garage band, and then that, and those are the side project songs. This is not one of them though. This is a great song. 
to that point, uh, I think we give uh, Pretty Hate Machine a little bit. Uh, we grade on a curve on that one because it's the first one, and um, just based on the uh, the context of how it was recorded and uh, the budget for it, um, it, versus what he's done since then. Um, yes, the the bar has been raised. I think uh, so. I see Eric's point. Having said that, this is still an enjoyable record up to this Absolutely. point. Absolutely. I just really, this is going to, we're, we're, we're approaching Trumpian levels of, uh, oh, you guys will hear me later. You, you can't wait to hear what the, uh, the result's going to be. Vote <laughs> <laughs> on our, our All right. grade of this album. All right. All right. So let's move on. Let's go into the next track, the uh, self-titled track, With Teeth. Oh, that's a good song. With the teeth. Oh, that's a spicy meatball, isn't it, Trent? Um, so he is saying with teeth, not with the teeth. But uh, this is the album. It's al- me. <laughs> this, is, this is the song where he busts out the uh, tambourine like a motherfucker. Uh, he really takes uh, a lot of joy and pride in bringing out that tambourine live. I don't know if they even uh, pull this one out live that much anymore. Uh, I hope they do. Um, but. It okay. really, it really, it it's. And get back to sequencing. This song is sequenced perfectly after every day is exactly the same. It's a good divide between first half, second half. The I will the, give it that. The way that every day is exactly the same ends with whooshing and grinding of gears. Goes right into the whooshing and grinding of gears and with teeth. If you're listening to it on a record, it'll it, it's seamless. There's no uh, gap in between the two. They crossfade perfectly. Um, well, okay, so the thing about this uh, song, it's fine, uh, but then it just stops, and then you get that small, uh, that really quiet piano, and uh, the... Where he talks about how he cannot go through this again. Exactly, and then every single time I've listened to this album, probably a thousand times since 2005, I jump every time. When every it time back it comes in? back in. Yeah. Because it's just like... You think the song's over. Yeah, you yeah. think the song's over. It does that very well. It's so... It, but that's They use a really... couple of things here. That part that Mark's talking about is a very interesting choice to have it be as low as it is. Which is fine, but I typically have to turn up my my, my dial to hear it. But I actually think if you, if you focus in on that, and especially on that live album too, that live DVD... That part where he's just saying, I cannot go through this again, that again gets back to thematically about this album, about being like, I gotta break this cycle of all this stuff, of uh, I can't keep waking up hungover type stuff. I'm sure it was worse than that. But that piano mixed with just that vocal line, and then the dis- hyper-distorted guitar that comes in, 
is actually like that little section is one of my that's nine snails for me him singing along that piano line with the distorted guitar that comes in right before all the other shit gets dumped back on top of it that little moment like that's my favorite nine snails that's like in my top five great. favorite nine snails moments <laughs> yeah what's, what's with what's with teeth mean what is what is it well why, why pick that as your album title also so uh i was just about to say that this particular song it seems uh, lyrically like a cousin to the song sanctified um, just based off of yep. the uh, uh, where he's talking in the terms of addiction, but he's putting a uh, she on it, um, and uh, it, it, both of them really talk about coming inside and uh, comes along. She gets inside and she makes you feel better than anything you've tried. It's in her kiss, the blackest sea. It runs deeper than you dare to dream it could be. Uh, I mean, that certainly sounds like, you know, yeah. taking some drugs, right? Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's, I think it's a, it's putting a, a seductress on, on the, uh, the, the drugs and also, uh, and you, and the, the, the difficulty of shaking off that addiction, holding on with teeth. Uh, um, okay. so that's kind of where I think, yeah, yeah. Right. but also it's just a good, that's a good album title actually with teeth. Yeah. It's also, a, he's a Melvin's fan. It's a Melvin song. Oh, that's you know? true. Uh, oh, okay. But the, the, this one thing I I have not mentioned it nearly as much as I want to, and I yammered on about it in our last episode. This album is full of the whooshing guitar sound. Do you guys know what I'm talking about now? The whooshing guitar sound? Like in this song, for example, the... It sounds like a airplane whoosh. I don't know how to describe it. Well, like that. something's playing, but the way they edit it isn't... It's kind of like, catch it if you can, because it's going to come in Well, and not out. even, not even kind of, but... Like uh, in between this track and this one, I'll play for you exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. There's a tone they started using on this record a lot that comes up for all their albums. Oh, right, you were saying that he kind of goes on with that. From yeah, and I'll, I'll try to point it out. I I don't know how to describe it because I'm not a guitar player, but and it's definitely it's all over with teeth. Yeah. It's it's it's, uh, it's an, an incredible guitar way to approach yep. a rhythm guitar. Okay. And also uh, in this track. They do bring up again the lines beginning to blur. Right. So this, along with every day is exactly the same, and then the line begins to blur, kind of make a little thematic trilogy. And if you turn the each word word in the song uh, "Love Is Not Enough" into an acronym, it's line. There you go. Uh, it's true. I think you can plan that out. Good job, detective. <laughs> wow, this is a little bit of the air coming from the last twenty minutes of the downward spiral again. <laughs> But we don't want to confuse that with the line begins to blur, and that also is a lyric from this uh, with teeth. Yep. So, are we done? Should, uh, should we move on to the next one? Let's move on to the next one. So, let's hear a little bit of track. Hold on. Okay, Hold Steve's on. coming to a realization. <laughs> I just wanted to say that Jerome Dillon played drums in the last song. Nice job. All right. Thanks. All did right. Did you guys know that uh, he had some, he did some, he does solo work. Yeah, I under the, a band called Nearly. I have that record. Yeah, how was that? It's okay. Uh, Claudia Sarn, um, who is from Twelve Rounds, That's what she I was does bring some singing. Yeah. The she's on that. Mm-hmm. Does she? Does she sing or does she do a? She sings. Yeah, yeah. kind of fit money machine. Kind of machine. She gets her megaphone out. Yeah, it's uh, megaphone singing. It's not that bad. It's it's trying to sound a little bit more like a Beth Gibbons at that point. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So That's Beth fine. Gibbons from uh, Portishead. Sure. So this next track. I, this let's hear a little bit of a little only before we uh, really get our. Let's get let's let everybody uh, get their teeth in. All right, so here we go. Here's a little bit of only. 
songs growing on you and first impressions aren't always what they be made out to be this song used to almost borderline annoy me back in the day now i i i adore it over time it broke me down and i i i guess i became less defined as the days went by and uh i'm a big fan of only your world that is <laughs> and, and yeah part of that is that i love i love that this it has this weird pacing to the vocal delivery where it sounds like he's just kind of like walking down the street and just bebopping, you know, a lot of talk, a lot of talking. Yeah. My my opinions on a singer deciding to talk their way through a song are well documented. It's low points on Nick Cave albums, Tom Waits albums, Nine Inch Nails albums. Uh, that being said, uh, Steve did give us a little spoiler text uh, a few weeks ago that comparing this album to. Uh, uh, Pretty Hate Machine, and then obviously the direct connection to Down in It, with the with with that, and I'm like, oh yeah, he kind of he kind of wrapped his way through Down in It also, and uh, you know that kind of endeared the song to me a little bit. Um, the music is catchy as all hell. It's an well, this ear. Is like it's, a Gary, this is like a Gary Newman. It's uh, it's an earworm. Uh, I, this is a very it Gary sounds Newman great. Song. Uh, it, it is it is really catchy. Um, I this isn't in my upper echelon of this album at all, but. Um, you know, I can see why it's a single. It is the other. I would say this is the sister track uh, to uh, the maybe LCD sound system or well, that baseline certainly. Yeah, yeah, that 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 indie indie disco, indie punk disco or whatever. Yeah, I would say that this would be the the other track on here that that definitely shows where Trent's influences were at this time. Um, you know, cool song, not one of my favorites, but uh, but I, it, it has endeared itself to me over time. I think only is the uh, synth pop version of Starfuckers. I mean, they both seem to be about the music industry and the music business. Um, and I, they're both fun songs. I, I kind of, I really do enjoy only. I think only has more substance to it. It does. Yeah. It's not so heavy handed in that sense. Um, but about one person, right. Um, or, yeah, or three, but, uh, I, I do enjoy the song. The music video was directed by David Fincher, uh, and it's a great video. It's, it's all computer generated. The, the video reminds you of every day exactly the same because it's just like, oh, your desk job sucks, right? You know, it's essentially the the pin art with the Newton's cradle sitting on the uh, the desk there. I mean, how often have we seen Trent's face show up in our in our like cubicle or whatever wherever we're working, and then takes over our focus for well, a while? Yeah, I'm clipping. 
prying magazine photos out and putting them up in my cubicle. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand my coworkers think that's weird. Um, Trent Reznor had this to say. It's about the business. When you get on this path of trying to sell records, it becomes about selling more records and playing bigger venues. It's like I'm friends with Tom Morello, but Audio Slave are releasing something on that same day as us, and I must destroy him. It's like, wait a minute. The goal has to be about making the best music possible, or else it becomes something that will make you implode. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, my feelings were hurt when I heard David Bowie's Heroes on a fucking Microsoft commercial. It's like, why? Fuck. Um, so, yeah. Why fuck? Why fuck? Uh, but I, I I like this song. I think it's fun. Um, I sing along to it every goddamn time that it's played. This, this, it has a few things going for it. It has a great use of uh, fuck in it where he says, there is no fucking you. There yeah. is only me. I mean, to really put a, uh, uh, I mean, a direct line to um, down in it. Well, the tiniest little dot caught my eye and it turned out to be a scab. And I had this funny feeling like I just knew it's something bad. I mean, uh, I mean, down in it has, it's almost like, Hey man, I'm tipping my hat yeah, to that there's song. There's a little bit of a callback. Yeah. I don't know why it's a callback. I don't know what, a, you know. I, I I don't know why he was going to the same place there for those two songs. It, it I I, I really like only. I've always liked maybe only. If it's, a, if it's a song about the industry, maybe he's just connecting himself to where he started in the industry. I think it's a great single. I mean, if for those people who are only uh, really thinking that closer is, I think this tries to hedge a little closer to closer that mm. song. Um, in terms of just the uh, commercial. Oh yeah, it's a, it's it's sexy. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a it's got that doo doo do that bass line. Yeah, and then the plus production rah, 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 work. Those but... bouncy synths are fun. Right, and um, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the part where he says, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 somewhere along the lines, he sings a line and then he sings back to himself. Yes, it did. Yeah. Oh, back. that's my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, that's my favorite part. Vocal ticks yeah. like that make my day, man. Yeah. I, yeah. I love yeah. that stuff. He's becoming a little yeah, a little. It's a little sassy, little, little, little James Brownish, Marvin Gayish, exactly. you know, just, yes. just yeah, hey, nobody's gonna call in response to me. I'll call in response my damn self. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's a the part that also really really stands out to me when I think about the song is uh, fuck. Well, the I just made you up. Uh, the I just made you up to hurt myself. What are you trying to talk? Oh about? yeah. So the part that really gets me also is the the uh, distortion they use over the vocals where he sings the now I'm somewhere where I'm not supposed to be line. Yes. It it's, uh, gives me goosebumps. On top of that, yeah. It's a good song. It seems really simple uh, when you first listen to it. When you pick it apart, it has a lot more going on. There's a lot of meanings, and then there's even some thematic stuff that ties back into... Um, some of the previous every day is exactly the same and stuff like like there is no you there's only me like this is and I just made you up was that the I just made you up to where is that that line hurt to hurt myself once again that's just kind of creating your own reality until you break out of it kind of themes that keep coming up in this album so not necessarily you also things aren't as pretty on the inside what's another most one of the songs left off the album was uh, not so pretty now not yep. so pretty now yep. Yep. A lot of the see, and he said this isn't. He said this isn't a theme album. Yeah. Which it's it's not. It's not telling a story, but he was in a certain headspace at the time, and you just if you read all the if you yeah. read through all the lyrics, and I'm usually Eric. You're more of a lyric guy than I am. Right. I told you many times. I can just like I'm more delivery than right lyrical content. But when it comes to Nine Inch Nails, I suppose. Well, we have a podcast about it, so yeah. I have to be more dialed yeah. in. 
And you really pick up on this on this album. Like, even if the guy said there wasn't a theme, you couldn't escape the fact that there's yeah. a theme. I would say that this album certainly has a theme. It's not a concept album. Yes. Like Downward Spiral. And the fra- I don't necessarily even say the fragile is, but Downward Spiral and is for sure a concept album. This is more. Yeah. Uh, but, d- but, despite but, being musically more cohesive, yeah. I mean that's that's another reason I like this album a lot is because after the Downward Spiral, which we all love, that's the most unwieldy thing in the world. Right. They contracted with the next record and just said, let's just make something as tight as possible. Also, lyrical content in the fragile goes all over the place. Yeah. On this one, it's just kind of just yeah. uh, mature lyrics. I I think you the can lyrics, tell. You can tell. Yeah. They uh, they wrote this album really quick and they recorded it really quick and you can tell, not for right. lack of uh, quality, but just uh, like they just. I, I I imagine these songs had like three takes tops. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I, it, I'll say what I'll say, but I'll never say that this is not the first truly mature uh, uh, lyric. Lyrical content of Trent Reznor's career. I think that's another reason why I was laughing at you earlier, even though that's wasn't wasn't what I was really doing. But I hold this album in high regard because of the maturity of it. I feel like this is the album that like you can play around your friends. This is the first Nice Nails album you can listen to like around other people and not have them be like, "What the hell are you listening to?" You know, yeah, I could see that a, a, a little to, to an extent. There's there's no big man with the guns. Or there's nothing as uh, uh, there's not a lot of fist fuck. No, you know, I don't know. There's nothing laughable about this album. That's not never what I said about it. Yeah, no, I would never say that. No, it's it's not that I've ever been embarrassed to be a nice. Oh God, no. But it's just this 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 just because it sounds more like a rock album. Mm-hmm. It just uh, and it wasn't to move more units. I think that's just where they were at at the time. They're like, we've already done the the prog industrial operas. Let's just do something a little bit more rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Like a Kiss album. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> here. Should we segue into the next song before you go on your diatribe? Uh, my diatribe comes the song after the next one. So All sure. right. All right, here we go. So let's hear a little bit of the next track, which is Getting Smaller. Ugh. was getting smaller and uh yeah it was getting smaller wasn't it hey 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 flip flop flip eric you <laughs> love this song tell us all about it this would be the second of the you know, see I, I told you i wasn't gonna go crazy on this but this is the second of the nine inch nail side project songs um this the music is so light and simple and uh don't mean to be you know disparaging but it's uninteresting it's a, you know, it's a sloppy rock song. This is very much, it sounds tossed off. Yeah. I, hearing the songs that got cut out, I'm not saying those are way better than this song, but I don't see why this one made the cut. Yeah, like... I really don't. Back on the Fragile, like I, uh, like Please and, uh, oh, what's the other one that I always say is... No, you don't. don't. No, you don't. Those are, they're, they're bottom tier Fragile songs, but they're still, 
you can tell that they sat down, they put some effort into them. And like mm. I did say that this album is was written and recorded seems fairly quickly. For the most part, that's great. Like they like sometimes first impressions are the best impressions. But in this song, you can tell that this needed a few more drafts. Yeah, it, it's just it's just I feel like it's just it's a milk toast song. Um, this is one I would swap out with any of the, the songs they left off. Sure. For the yeah. Not that's fair. Now and it's just, home it's just wholly interesting, and uh, not, yeah. As not, a matter of fact, not so pretty now. Upbeat song. Mm-hmm. This is an upbeat song to an extent. Right. You could it sure just is. put that here, and it would yeah. fit way better. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Easily. Um, this song, uh, I, <laughs> I, I skip it uh, a lot of times. I only listen to it because I like the. Uh, the like the the guitar is pretty cool during the the I don't know it's the chorus. It's just the vocals and the lyrics. It really make take me out of it. And it, I mean, as you said in the in the previous song, like this is the album that I feel like I could put on without any sort of cringe moments. I think this is the cringe moment for flip flop flip. Flip, flop, flip. Yeah. <laughs> I got my head on a spring. Well, I thought you had got you on my side. I haven't got fucking anything. And then it goes into the, I'm just a face in the crowd. Oh, I, there's, but there's that, again, from All Love in the World, the face in the crowd thing is a it's, it's, recurring theme. It's the cringe moment of this album, but, I mean, really, it's not it's not an embarrassing song. It doesn't song. fit thematically in with it's, the rest of the album as much, with it, the exception of that line, face in the crowd. Yeah, and he's not using, I, I get it, he's going for a live, simplified band sound on this album. I get it, but he's not using it to peak interest or anything on this song it's it's quick and dirty we don't have much to say about this song because there's not much to say about the song there's not much to it the good part is is kind of when it uh, ends a little bit uh toward towards the end um i it has its moments it has like a small little guitar solo and he says my world is getting smaller every day that part is a little between the uh, the chorus and that part, mm-hmm. I can salvage the song I'm a little bit. Okay. Yeah, and then it just stops. And uh, so we're not gonna really beat a dead horse on this one. Not a great song, but it's not a terrible song in all things considered of what's out there in the world. But in terms of the Nine Inch Nails song uh, catalog, on, it, yeah, it's, it's on, not it's, one of my favorites. It, it's uh, it's on the Y sides. It's on the Y sides. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Let's get into the next track, which would be Sunspots. Let's hear a little bit of Sunspots. Sunspots cast a flare in my eyes. Sometimes I forget I'm alive. I feel it coming and I've got it. That was Sunspots. Never played live. Never played live. This little live. sexy jam was never played sure. live. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good little song. It's a weird one. I, it kind of, uh, they don't even sound the same. 
But for some reason, you know how you just get some things give you, they trigger the same nerves. This, uh, for some reason, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to joining you finally. And this song are cousins to me for some reason. I can see that Can't with a little more instrumentation and production on this one. It might be because the subduedness of both of them. Yeah, I mean, uh, especially because the song starts out with, you know, just kind of that bass line. I love the bass line. This is one of my favorite songs in the album. Really? That's really cool to hear. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely one of the more forgotten I ones. I think it's underappreciated. Yeah. This is this is a perfect example of um, what I like where he's going in this, which is ut- utilizing a simpler full band sound and less bells and whistles i like the bells and whistles but if he's gonna do that i think this is one of the songs that he kind of creates a really great atmosphere uh just using his band which is which is awesome yeah there's not they didn't overproduce this to death but it still gives you a a sense of place and uh it definitely has the the falsetto uh princean vocals in it with the uh the the she turns me on that uh Mm -hmm. That whole thing's great. Yeah, um, he's really uh, warming up them pipes. Um, I, I do enjoy that the choruses are sung in falsetto. I really like when the uh, live drums kind of kick in during the, and nothing can stop me now. Yeah, that, that whole point. That's, that's Dave Grohl's all over this track, actually. Yeah. I mean, I just don't to state the obvious, but nothing can stop me now is a recurring theme in Nashville's lyrics. I my notes. The, he, he does love that theme. So sometimes he uses that as in a negative way when you have nothing left to lose. So you're going to go do something crazy. But maybe this is a guy. But maybe, but yeah. Yeah, maybe this like, is I the other pull, side of that. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I can, you know. Kind of cool when one line can mean something bad and something great, but from the same singer, depending upon when I they're singing it. I think it has more of a positive affirmation on this album. Although in the same song, he talks about fucking in the fire and spreading the ashes around. Which I don't know what the hell that means. But uh, <laughs> this is yeah. this is his one of his most overtly uh, overt songs about addiction on the album. How so? I'm trying to pull up a lyric right now. Hold on a second. I, I get what you're saying. I think this song is um, kind of that what you're talking about. Where is sun spotting like train spotting? Well, no, I think it's more along the lines of uh, which. Yeah, shit. Why not? Um, I think it's more along the lines of uh, him actually rejecting his addiction. That he needs to uh, peel off that skin. We're gonna burn what we're what we were to the ground and renew himself in a in a new way. In that sense. I, I, peeling off the skin was that was a theme on the fragile was the new flesh that would grow over the old one as we talked about before you've gone through you've gone through it before it's not going to get necessarily any easier but you have some you have some protection now so they're peeling that yeah anyways just just connecting to that um it's a good but little, i like this song a lot it's a good yeah. little quiet weird song but it kind of explodes at the end with the nothing can stop me now. And, the, yeah. and I am staring at the sun. Right. I think I, I think putting this right after getting smaller, maybe a reason why I really like this song is it's like... Because <laughs> it washes it well, out of your I'm mouth. not saying it's, it's one's terrible and one's good. It's just like, okay, so this is the direction you're going. You're using a, you're using a band to do maybe what you would have used synthesizers and, and samplers for in the past. And you're pulling it off here by making a great song with great atmosphere. Um, and you're doing that with your band. I don't know. Anyways, it, granted, it was probably just him on the song, but 
that's the sound he's going for is a more of a more of a live band sound so you know, this is the third song that I thought you were going to talk about in terms of it being more of a side project feel. Um, I, because I mean, we're getting close to the end of the album, right. and the last three like songs. The last and, three songs are side projects. I know that's that's where I'm saying. Like the <laughs> last three songs are Stone Cold classics, in my in my opinion. I listened to the vinyl. Really, you're gonna badmouth the line begins to blur. No, I, I listened to the vinyl version, so I think home was the third one. Home oh. was next. Yeah. Nice save. Yeah, you home was notes. next. <laughs> <laughs> home was next. And with so that, we we're right. gonna go into the line begins to blur, which is part of the closing trilogy of the album, which is basically one big long great song. So let's hear a little bit of the uh, line begins to blur. <laughs> begins to blur which is the centerpiece of the album in some ways uh sonically and thematically it is a all-timer of a song it is great live it's great on this album it's placed in the perfect spot on this album it comes in like an atom bomb that just knocks you on your behind and uh i don't have enough good things to say about this track uh eric take over for a second while i collect my thoughts because i'm still wiping the sweat off my it's a high, it's a highlight. It's uh, uh, full band, um, really the sound he was going for, but pulling it, it's distorted. Uh, the the drums never let up the whole time, um, and uh, the vocals are so raw. It's true, he's just full throat singing yeah, in the song. Yeah, he sounds. The beginning especially sounds like he's in the middle of a warehouse, and they they've got the. Actually, it sounds like our podcast on some of the less. Uh, <laughs> Lesser thought out moments where they sound like they're in another room, but it works for this album, for this song in particular. Yeah. It sounds like he's shouting across the room and it's just getting to you, but he's he's on to the next verse by the time you hear it. During the break, uh, Steve pointed out something I thought that was pretty uh, appropriate and pretty accurate was that, because we were listening to the clip too, um, was this song is very reminiscent of the Melvins. Uh, yes. Very sludgy. Very, and we're all Melvins, friend of the show, friend of ours. Uh, oh, they're friends of the show? Yes. Oh, yeah. Sure. Buzz has uh, written it. Buzz is the kind of guy you don't think would listen to a podcast, but, you know. Oh. Okay. But, uh, 
No, definitely the the way that thing it barrels in and it clangs about, it's total Melvin's. Oh, I can hear it absolutely. So yeah, Dave Grohl's drumming on this is uh, pitch perfect. It's fantastic. Um, I, during my research, I was reading that people think that the last three songs on this album, so it would be Line Begins to Blur, Beside You in Time, and Right Where It Belongs, uh, can almost be seen as a prequel to Year Zero, as they speak about corruption in man's heart and the world changing, revealing something not before seen. Um, that's a stretch for me. It sounds a little... It sounds a little, uh, a little like a something little, I would say? I, th- I think... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I... I <laughs> I, I, I think uh, you know, NIN board member uh, Mickey Hugo 9-2 is probably going off the deep end there. I, w- I, would say, I would say that you got something wrong. It's not necessarily corruption in a man's heart. It's what we talked about earlier, and it's that when you see the world for the first time with clear eyes, then suddenly you see maybe glitches in what you thought was yeah, reality. Or, I mean, the line begins to blur. Look at the album cover. Things are blurry. There's bleeding through. Yeah. The dis- distortion of reality. There's vocal... This album's all about distortion of reality. Right. Like half the time you the do, vocals are distorted. Right. And more you're just, so than vocals yeah, and distorted. Why do we distort our own reality? And then what at what point do we need to go back to reality? And how do we fight for that? So now, so this so we we're talking about I keep trying to point out to these guys what I call the whooshing guitar sound, because I don't know how else to talk about it. This is a perfect example of it. The guitar tone on this is way looser and way more uncontained than before. And Eric, you, you yeah, no, you I actually now, you right? showed me, Steve, and I actually, and I can hear it, and I can hear it, and even the last the last song, even God kicks down the door, God broke down the door, like he's still using it. Uh, I think in the last album, the Fragile, there was like a nexus of the old guitar tone and the new one. Steve's talking about the new one. The old one was like a hyper compressed, something that even I love it, but it could even be like created on a synthesizer. Um, uh, it comes in and cuts out immediately. The new town is sound is like what Steve says is very loose, um, and uh, it's it's reverby. It's got a little bit of echo. It's still uh, scuzzy and bug covered, but it, uh, it it unlike the compressed one, it starts before the beat happens and it ends after the beat happens. Yeah, it has a looseness to it, and uh, you know Trent Reznor plays the majority of the guitars on the albums, the majority of them, but Aaron North was joining the band. And his style live and on the songs he's in in the studio, it's perfect sound for the way he plays the guitar. Because that guy's kind of like like I, uh, Slash is a great guitar player, but Slash like sometimes can never play the same song the same way twice. <laughs> and Aaron Norris kind of the same way. I think this, the looseness of the guitar sound works perfect for him. Yeah. But back to this song, it's a great centerpiece song. The, uh, the way it crashes in, and it doesn't even. It's a weird force of nature song because it doesn't even have a, a chorus. I think it's just the verse twice. It's like a, it's kind of an aria goes into the it's 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 got the uh, the there you know there are the, it's got the shouting across the warehouse warehouse part and then the quiet you know the line begins to blur and then it just starts going. Uh, Mark, what's the the second verse that we always love? Is there somebody on top of me? I don't know. I don't. That part, that part's incredible. That part's that, great. That call and response is great I mean, on here. I love some call and response. He's having so much fun with his vocal. Yeah, delivery. it's great live. That call and response is great. And this, <laughs> this call and response, this part right here is what always reminds me that he loves Kiss because for some reason just just reminds me of Kiss Alive. I can't tell you why. I don't know if I'd make that connection if uh, 
he didn't always say that he's a Kiss he fan. Constantly talks about being a Kiss fan. Yes. Constantly. And Eric, did you listen to Destroyer? I listened to about half of it. I, I told Eric to listen yeah. to Destroyer yeah. to help him understand this album better. I didn't really mean it, but since he offered to do it, of course I told him he should listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Destroyer's yeah. a great it, album. It was fun. It was, it, yeah, no, it's very fun. Um, thanks for raising Does that have the uh, I Was Made for Loving You on it? No. <laughs> Um, I, I know that's. Like, I did notice that yes. Kiss Destroyer and Year Zero start with the same thing, which is somebody walking to their car and turning it on. Doesn't that? Isn't no, that, I think it, that's Queens of the Stone Age. I, I thought Year Zero yeah. starts with. Uh, no, no, Year Zero starts with the weird ass total industrial apocalypse. Fuck. What? I feel like there's a Nine Inch Nails song where somebody walks in and turns their car on. It's definitely Queens of the Stone Age. I know you're not a huge guy for the Queens of the Stone Age. I would not even know it. I would not even pick it out pick it out from my lineup. any Nine Inch Nails album that starts somebody turning the car on. Maybe I'm insane. You're thinking Jerry was a race car driver. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) But Destroyer starts that way. Imagine Nine Inch Nails covering Primus. Could be. I don't know. I don't even know what that would sound like. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to that, a guy that was the king of the drum roll was heard from Primus. Yeah. The drum rolls at the tail end of this song are so awesome. So good. Yeah. As, as, as you're bringing it, the, you got Trent Reznor go, he's yeah. crooning, and then the. And the fact that awesome. he just, the, the every single instrument is covered in distortion in the song. You could drop this song into any of the last two LPs by Nine Inch Nails, and it would fit, and it would be a highlight. That in either is, one. I never thought of that. It's true. Yeah, no, this song's fantastic. I love it. I love it to death. I, and I love it, even though you. This could is drop, my favorite song off the album. By it's the way. a good one to be a yeah. favorite. Yeah. It gives me literally when it first crashes through the window, and it's like you know Batman sitting in his chair and deciding <laughs> I'm going to be Batman. That's how inspiring the song is. Oh, to be. Yeah, it just it's, so it's just like yeah. sometimes I like shake so much I can't handle it. Uh, <laughs> it happens again in this next song, and the way it crossfades, it crossfades into the next song yeah. is amazing. Yeah. So let's hear a little bit of "Beside You in Time." Full disclosure, I would need to see some lyrics. I haven't given the lyrics too much thought on this one, but the sound of this song. So coming off that last sound, this whole song has that feeling after you leave a concert and you hear feedback in your ears for like until you go to bed that night. Do you know what I'm talking about? I I 100% agree with what you're saying. Yeah, Yeah, and it has that effect. So after the barrage of sound, this whole album has been very loud. And this song is actually a... Pretty quiet song. It's got it does have like a four on the floor beat going on, um, 
but uh yeah it looks like he's you know it looks like he's uh wrapping up his feelings it's not the last song here but he's definitely wrapping them up but i i just love that the whole thing is a wash with feedback that turns into the beat. It yeah, slowly fades into the beat. This song has such a weird rhythm. It's amazing that a song that's so noisy is also so rhythmic. The way you got that duck, duck, just the simple drum beat, but then you've got that vum 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 going on, and it's kind of like when you have like if you're driving and you have one of the windows in the back half. Oh yeah, waffling. Yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't distract you. It's placed. So it's actually a mat. Like you want to talk about spending time on at, uh, post-production. Yeah. They spent. They made it a particular. They made it so it just tiptoes up to being disorienting, but it's melodic. Yeah, and it's almost like they use the absence of sound to make the beat. Like they cut out the feedback rhythmically, so it would be like. But they did that in the you know you know four four time like absolutely then and then they brought the the drums in so yeah I, I just love the sound and I love that it's uh, almost like a hangover from the loud barrage of of rock music it that is, we've gotten it, this whole time. It, it's, the pace of it's interesting because it has the first sec first third, which is that kind of disorienting uh, window down in the back of the car, and then. It, it it takes a, a breath, and then it picks back up again with just the drum again, and it goes into a second verse, and you go through the same same motion, and then you think it's taking a breath, and then uh, unfortunately if you're not prepared for it and you're listening to this in your car, you might crash your car <laughs> with what happens next, which is uh, the Mark. I think you were saying that the beside you in time section always catches you off guard no matter how many times you've heard it. Well, it was the with teeth part, but this part in particular, after the, uh, and all this goes on and on and on and on. Uh, But uh, it's right when the, uh, it's almost death by synthesizers. Mm -hmm. The the little key stabs that come in like, dun, 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 dun. And it just comes out of nowhere. I swear, like a, it raises the hair on my arms every time. It's like time. a tiger uppercut to the soul. Yeah. It just, you can't handle it. And the rhythm that it comes in, I feel like it ties into what he was messing with on the fragile, with um, the, uh, uh, especially with like, uh, we're in this together, which was just that, that wall of sound kind of thing. Um, granted, he's doing it more with some noisy synths in this one, but uh, this is an awesome song. This is an, and, and, and this could have been the closing track. It could have been. In a way, it would have been a great closing track. But it also leads into a great closing track. Yeah. So it's 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 a it's it's perfect for either purpose. It's it's and awesome. Nine Jones is good at that. They they they're good at one two closing tracks. Think about with the fragile and the both sides actually. Uh, oh yeah, shit, both sides. Yeah. Uh, La Mer and then uh, Great Below. Yeah, but and, even, then, and then on uh, the right side, uh, you've got. Before Ripe with Decay. It's underneath it all, isn't it? Underneath it all, which yeah. is great. Like that, you mm-hmm. can end the album underneath it all. I think some people could. think that would make or more sense. Or Downward Spiral to Hurt. Yeah. That's exactly what yeah. I'm saying. They're, they're, good. they're good at the, the closing. Point. yeah. And then the uh, on this song, the section where everything kind of breaks through, it's just an insane feeling of the song feels like you're about to fall forward, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you get blown back. It's... Yeah. It's incredible that they're able to pull that off the way they do. I'm a, a big fan of this song. And the, that last section where it's really death by synthesizers, 
whenever I listen to that, I feel like you could you could do a really good version of this live with the string section. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I could see that. Strike. Like a, like almost like a still version of it. Yeah, you could really like a, a like yeah, I yeah. just imagine a, a string section taking over that synthesizer part and having it be great. Um, when they do this live, when they did this live, I don't think they do it anymore. Um, I remember them playing behind a projected screen. Yes, it is. And then Trent Reznor would throw his mic stand or pretend to like hit his mic stand with the to the yeah. to the screen, yeah. and then the whole thing would pretend to shatter. It's on the DVD. Yep. Yeah, and yeah. Cool. and it's interesting because uh, at that point, at the end, when everything's in your face. It's like there's lights going up in front of them and then down behind them. It creates a really interesting effect. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. I saw them do that version of, uh, at like, Arco. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And that was when Auto Lux and Queens of the Stone Age toured with them. That's the worst place to see a show. Yeah, wasn't the greatest. It didn't sound great, even though the bands are all, you know, technically very good. So what's cool about that, though, is yes. like with that big blast at the end is like the song feels like, like I said before, you're leaving a huge concert. Your ears are still ringing. You're getting your car, you're going to go home and it's going to be done. But then, boom, it <laughs> flays you one more time. And then it actually takes us to a quiet place to end this uh, to end the song, to end this album. So let's hear what's the best closing song of any Nine Nails record. And wow. So here is a little bit of right where it belongs, and Steven's got some hot takes to talk about. <laughs> Stop. My sad bastard drive to the ocean when, uh, with this album. I will admit this song was the one I had not repeat the most. <laughs> sure, this is this is a great sad bastard closing song. It's not even sad. It's a, it, it's just it's it's very subdued in the pantheon pantheon of Resnorian closing tracks. It's probably my favorite. I know hurts the all timer, but this one is where I. I have an easier time revisiting this song. I, I, I have the the structure of this song mixed with the lyrical content, which I guess is what all music is. Whatever. Anyhow, I love this song. So, uh, I'm ashamed to admit it. Like, as much as I've listened to this album, if 
if somebody told me, oh, right where belongs is a great Nine Inch Nails song, I'd say, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, what? Uh, like, I would try to remember what song it was. Like, up until this recent, re, re, like, I don't know if I just never got that far in the album, or I don't know what it is. This song never stuck with me. But ever since we started this podcast and when we got to this album and I've been listening to it like crazy for the last month, this song has been stuck in my head. Hmm. Every day. Actually, I, I wake up, like, I, I have about an, especially my work has gotten crazy. I'm not going to talk about it. You don't need to hear Eric go into another uh, uh, therapy session. My work has gotten um, r- r- terrible the last couple of weeks, and I have about an hour of anxiety in my bed before I wake up, and this song has been playing through my head to try to calm me down every morning before I, before I actually have to face the day. Well, I don't want to compare my sorrows to yours, and I won't. But work-related, when I had to do something at work a few months ago that was uh, bumming me out, in the morning before I had to go in and do it, I listened to this song, and I was like, all right, this will help me out. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this definitely speaks to those kind of low moments in anyone's life. One of my favorite lyrics in the entire song is, what if all the world's inside your head, just creations of your own, your devils and your gods, all the living and the dead, and you really are alone? Um I, you can live in this illusion. Sorry, it's like that delivery. I, I'm telling you, I know. Like this, that little segment of the song is so good because, I mean, um, I try not to get so caught up in my head in terms of those anxious moments that you guys were just talking about, and um, I think that's a question that sometimes I ask myself a little bit whenever things get uh, seem to be a little overwhelming and out of control. So I can I can uh, relate to that. Um, my also favorite part of the song, kind of uh, production-wise, is when things seem to be pulled back, yes. uh, and uh, it, because vocally it sounds like he's in a different place uh, in terms of even in a different room from where he's recording, and all of a sudden his vocals become clear, hyper clear, really clear. Yeah, and it's almost like someone opened a door, and they do a really good job of like three D audio soundscaping right there. Exactly, and then you also hear some crowd noise. Yeah, that's the, so that's... he's like going out to the stage. Um, to address some of his insecurities that he was feeling. Well, that, and that's, it, it speaks to a few things on this album is there's talk of illusions and who's in the cage? Are you in the cage of the tiger who's actually free? So the line, you know, which, which side of the glass are you on? Are you, you know, uh, barriers bleeding, if you will. And then also it gets to the sense of, I don't know if it ties into recovery or not, but with all the crowd sounds and he's out there singing and he's out there in front of the crowd, uh, is it still worth a damn even if you don't have everything figured out for your like what what is all this if still if inside you're still trying to struggle right you know? yeah I, I was just gonna say that it, it definitely ties into the to that uh, that one moment of that clarity that moment of clarity and that's and you can hear it in his voice and I think it's a genius moment it's a great song it's a great song it's got a, a it's got a melody that sticks in your head like I said it's got it's one of their most quotable songs. As, as far as concepts go, and then uh, and then just thematically with the whole album, they nail it in that one moment where his voice goes clear. It's awesome. Yeah, and also I think, and let's get away from the lyrics in a second and not neglect the great music of this song. But I do a lot of the talk about you know uh, what is reality, and also if you look you know uh, would you be afraid to if you find yourself would you be afraid to see all this shit. There's somewhere buried in the song is something where I feel if you mix the lyrical content with that crowd noise part, I think he talks about like the importance of honesty to an extent here. Yeah. And if you can't be honest with yourself or the people you love, like really what is the point of existing? 
and it really, in the age of Trump, where truth means nothing, it strikes a big chord with me. Oh, hell you know? yeah. I mean, there, there are times where I feel like, you know, uh, if I'm out later than I want to be, or if I had more drinks the night before, then I should have my wife questions me about it. For a split second, sometimes I feel like almost like, oh, I'll just fucking white line out of here. But if, like, I feel like if I'm not honest with my wife or my friends about something, even sometimes it's a big deal or not, like, what's your worth if you can't be honest with the people you love? And I feel some, somewhere in here there's something about honesty that really just nails me. I think so. So, No, yeah, I, that's, uh, that's, a good, that's a really good point. Um, I think this song is actually a little stronger lyrically than, than Hurt, so I could understand why it would a be... A more mature. He's got yeah. 10 more years on him. Yeah, and, you know, he's gone through the whole uh, uh, concept of, of rehabilitation yeah. and maturity and... Um, which also, I think, when you go through rehab, a lot of it's just being, like, honest and upfront with yourself and everybody else, which is just... I, I think I only didn't agree about this being the best closing track because, you know, it's not suck, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, but. So it's a lot of. A lot of I think you meant Ring Finger. Um, the lyricism here is great, but also the music is wonderful. Yeah. The, uh, there's that track, like that rhythmic pogo synth in this thing. Yeah. You know, doom, 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 doom. That's, that's wonderful. And then just the. Dun, 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 the really minor key piano yeah. I, I love. And the way it closes out. With just the piano, and then it sounds almost like a song where somebody. I think I said this about another song. I love it when songs sound like they hit the last key, and then you can imagine them closing the piano and getting up and walking yeah. away. It's it's the perfect thesis statement song for this album. It's great. Um, I think Mark sent me yeah. and you a meme of some like from Reddit where they're battling out the best national songs of all time. Didn't uh-huh. this one win? Uh yeah, it may have. Yeah, I think it did. That doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah, nothing. No. But I found it amusing. So that was the uh, full length um, Nine Inch Nails. There was three songs. We talked about Home. We talked about uh, Not So Pretty Now and Non-Entity. Non-Entity and Not So Pretty Now were released later after the fact on in uh, 2009 when uh, Nine Inch Nails were initially going to be hanging it up for good on the Wave Goodbye tour that they did with Jane's Addiction. But it was recorded during this time frame. They pulled Home- Ozzy on us though and decided not to quit. Exactly, which is good. Which is fine. Good for everybody involved. <laughs> Um, and then Home was also included on the vinyl version, which was first intended as a B-side. Um, uh, did you guys want to talk about those songs yeah, at all? Yeah, I, I really, I think I'm hotter on those songs than you guys are. So I, um, let's start with Home. pretty good it's funny the home was the one that was more officially released mm-hmm. and it's the one i like the least okay um the home's just kind of there yeah i do like there's a there's a line in it which ties into this album in general which i guess it's just uh yeah to break from what we're tied to god much god knows how much i've tried to and i am still inside you right it's, you know trying to get away from these bad habits and get back <clears throat> to where you get back to where you belong as you would say and uh Track two. Right. So. Yeah, that's fine. Um, 
It's got yeah. some good clang and bang and bottom style drums, but yeah. there's yeah. not much to home. Uh, the other two, um, I feel like are pretty boilerplate with teeth era songs, but not so pretty now is a, is far superior. Not so pretty yeah. now sounds like, and I mean this cause I love the band. It sounds like Elastica by way of Nine Inch Nails. Right. Song. Yeah, it's a it's a sleazy rock and low end driving song. Right. Yeah. Uh, Non-entity. I remember seeing that on the uh, I think it was on a Bridge School Benefit concert, um, and he was backed by a string quartet. Was just Trent Reznor and a piano, and I, I think that may have been for like a Hurricane Katrina benefit that occurred hmm. um, during the fall of two thousand six. Yeah, non-entity was fine, um, uh, but I think not so pretty now is one of the better ones. Not so pretty now. It's got some of that sass lyrics going on where he like does some like stuttering, smiling in your face. Actually, I think I thought of you, Mark, when I was listening to it because I was trying to think of who to compare it to. Non-entity, or I'm sorry, not so pretty now. Sounds like what if Chuck Mosley sang a Nine Inch Nails song? It's not bad. Yeah, that's. The first singer of uh, Faith No More. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, you probably already knew that. It's late. Um, yeah, we yeah. should probably wrap it up pretty soon. You don't you think, boys? Yeah, uh, just a couple couple remixes to talk about here. Hold on. Oh my. Got a few you, things to talk about. Okay. Done. Uh, let's just not totally neglect non-entities. Boom, 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 boom. Since. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's definitely a full band sound. He's it's in an his okay song. Off. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. It would be better than the collector. Yeah. Oh yes, and and getting smaller. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So let's talk some remixes, and then just uh, Eric will rap about the DVD for a second, and then give a rating and 
then go hit home. the road. Absolutely. So remixes from this era, not not a lot to say, but since we just talked about it, uh, a very popular remix uh, was "Right Where It Belongs" Volume Two. It was on the Japanese release of the album. Um, if you look at it on YouTube, you will see the most emo posts from <laughs> yes. YouTube viewers ever. They think this is they nailed it this way. This is how it should have been on the yeah, album. Yeah, I read those and they're, they're like, "Oh, this, you know, I really relate to this version of this song. This is the way it should have sounded." I mean, it's not. I feel like it misses the whole goddamn point. It's myself. not. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's it's minimalistic. It's like the still version of the song. It's 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 a guitar and a muted piano playing and he's singing and he's doing a good job singing. I mean it's it's worth listening as a curiosity, but it misses that whole that moment, that thesis moment where his voice is distorted voice and then switch yeah. it switches over, which is the whole point of the goddamn album. I, I agree with you, Steve. It misses the point of the album. Yeah. As a curiosity, it's it's emotional. I get why emo kids are freaking out over it, but it it's it, it does it can't hold a candle to the original. Are any um well, we're talking about these yeah. mixes because we actually technically, if we want to knock them out of here, yeah, properly. With teeth is Halo nineteenth. Mm, yes, I think so. Yeah. So. So that means that twenty would have been uh, only only. Only and, and then every day is exactly the same. Yeah, and every day is exactly Which the same. All these remixes are covered. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, so the big ones, the big remixes, got covered on every day exactly the same. Which means you got the DFA James Murphy remixes of uh, Hand the Feeds, which are great, and it's just you know LCD sound system style uh, uh, remixes of the album, which was already they were like I said they were already inspiring so each that, other. That remix is a disco song. Yeah, it's great. It's fun. There's four versions of it. There's like a long version, a short version, a dub version, and an instrumental version. And uh, you know I can see them totally playing it at a you know dance club at night. Is you know fun stuff. Uh, there was also the Fotech version of that song. Fotech is a is a DJ that does a lot of movie work. Did like Blade? Did the music for Blade? I was not aware of that. Yeah. Um, you know what I was thinking of earlier today? Some motherfuckers are always trying to skate up. I skate uphill. Mm. That's from Blade. Oh, that's good. Uh, they also did, uh, more recently, he did the music for some show called How to Get Away with a Murder, which I never saw, but mm. he did that. Uh, Fotex version is fine. He's kind of like a noisy uh, electronic producer. Uh, the straight mix got on the single, but on the 12-inch promo is my personal favorite and is the rough mix um, because they really enunciate the dun-dun-dun-dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's a very off-time remix, but I love it. I think it accentuates my favorite part of that song, um, and that's worth looking at on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, other things, uh, Only had some remixes. Only had a very dancey remix by Richard X. Yeah, that, that, that remix is like Philip Glass meets LCD Sound System. Oh, I was going to say it was it was it was pretty much your most standard club remix of all of them on this okay. one. I'm not crazy about it. Richard X is most known for uh, working with Human League and re-releasing a lot of their early stuff with a, maybe a dance remastering to it. Uh, that's who that is. Um, there's also a, and I'll give Steve full props for getting me into him back in 2002, LP, who's now known for, to most people as one half of Run the Jewels, but had an illustrious career running a great indie hip-hop label in Brooklyn called Def Definitive Jux, uh, before that in Company Flow, uh, and he remixed only 
and go ahead, Steve. I know you Did got something to say. I think this is a no. Actually, I I love hip hop, but you were the one that showed me. No, but uh, I thought you got me in the LP. You showed me Fantastic Damage, man. And if I showed you Fantastic Damage, you know who got me into it was Jason Torres. There you go. Somebody at that yeah. band, Dipple Records got me into yeah. that, that guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I wish I. One thing about uh, it's amazing. It's bizarre to me that LP is a superstar now. Is one half of one of the jewels, literal superstar. Uh, right. Their music is licensed out. They're doing huge tours. Um, I always, it, I hope that people go back and find his solo work because I think it stands up to Run the Jewels, if not actually is better. Um, but that only remix is fantastic because it sounds, if LP does two things, it's uh, analog synths and uh, Blade Runner Vangelis uh, sounds. And you find both those things on that only remix. And he had a, he did a score for the new Blade Runner movie that got rejected. Yeah. That's pretty they cool. asked him to do it. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I, I really that remix. It sounds like LP producing a, a Trent Reznor song. No, it's cool. And I, I don't know where it falls in the chronological. One of these episodes, we're going to talk about the time Trent Reznor worked with LP on uh, one of his albums. Oh, Flyontology. Flyontology. There's also a um, a remix of Every Day Is Exactly the Same by Sam Fogg versus Carlos D. Carlos D. From Interpol. Um, oh, from oh, that's right. That's the Interpol remix. Uh, I kind of like that one in the sense that it brings out all those ghost vocals that we were talking about from that song. It's pretty much instrumental. There is um, singing like the chorus part, but the, the verses aren't in there. The pace at which that remix moves reminded me of uh, in the superhero movies for a while, the Spider-Man movies and the X-Men movies. The opening credits were always. Like it would be a neural synapse and you would follow oh. it and <laughs> yeah. see the words and yeah. go to the next one. That's that, fair. That music That's fair. sounds like a fit perfectly yeah. with that stuff. It, it, it's kind of a cool remix that brings out parts of the song you may not have noticed and it really brings those ghost vocals to the forefront. So that's kind of interesting. Um, so another one is the Clint Mansell, who was one of the lead singers of Pop Lead Itself and one of the Nothing Records Collectives right before Nothing Records ended with the final uh, the final release, which was the Beside You in Time DVD. Anyways, he re- remixed uh, the uh, uh, Don't You uh, Yeah the for the Doom soundtrack. Um, you know who you are. Yes, and it's a kind of a it's kind of a cool remix. It's pretty song structure. It's exactly the same lyric wise. The same. They throw more echoes over the vocals and more synth blasts. I think they throw more grinding gears over. Yeah, yeah. It's more noisy, but it's I like it. I I, I really like listening to it. It's 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 just a noisy thing. Clint Mansell is a master of of like layered atmospheres. Yeah, he does a lot of good scores. Like you said before, he did Requiem for a Dream. And I didn't know he did the the entire Doom soundtrack. I did not know that either. Yeah, yeah. I sat down and listened to it. It uh, it sounds a lot like the music out of the Metal Gear Solid games. Oh, really? Which is great. That's yeah. that's guitars plus bombastic orchestration. Yeah, which is great for a Doom movie. Sure. So it, it's enjoyable. Cool. Yeah, it's a good remix. Um, and I think that's it for Nine Inch Nails remixes. Trent remixed a couple things in that era. Also, a U two song called Vertigo. Tell us all about that, Mark. Yeah. Uh, that was off the album, How to Destroy an Atomic Bomb, okay. and it was not a good song. <laughs> uh, Una Dos Catorce. That's all I'll say on that the, one. Is that the one where he's like on the roof in the video like this? Like- well, Vertigo had a couple different videos because it was also on the uh, Tomb Raider soundtrack. Okay. And so, um, uh, what that else? It's nice of them to give us so many videos. So many videos. <laughs> and also, it was featured heavily 
in a iPod commercial because this is around the time that U2 had a special edition iPod. And but it's not the time they snuck their album <laughs> onto your phone. That would be two albums after that. I'll never forgive them for that. <laughs> you know, Songs of Innocence is not bad. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that they force us to have it. <laughs> it's a free album. You easily can go to it and, and get rid of it. It's not that hard. <laughs> There's an Apple support page. <laughs> Google it. You shouldn't, yeah. But, I mean, Trent Reznor uh, later, I don't know what era... I think it was um, it's later. during the With Teeth, but he actually did a cover of a U2 song. It's later. It is probably because later. It's, it's him and... I don't think him and Atticus Ross are hanging out that much right now. They did that together, I believe. Yeah. Which is a pretty good collection of songs. I think Depeche Mode are on there, too. Um, so, What's the, the Vertigo remix, remix is, uh, is... It's bass and drums getting groovy uh, and some crunchy guitars, but... I assume it matches up with the original. Oh, no, that was the next one. Growing Up. Growing Up is the Peter Gabriel. It is not. I, I, I was disappointed. It's not a cover of Bruce Springsteen's Growing Up, <laughs> which I really wanted to hear Peter it Gabriel. It is a good song, though. It is yeah. a good song. Yeah. But it's a great remix. Peter Gabriel cover yeah. the boss, and then on top of that, uh, sure. Trent Reznor remixed sure. that. Uh, I love Peter Gabriel. It seems perfect that Trent Reznor would do. I, actually, that would be a match made in heaven if they collaborated again. That, that just, it would be so perfect. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed... Um, uh, Peter Gabriel's version of My Body is a Cage, uh, Arcade Fires. Oh, uh, yes. uh, Peter Gabriel did this record called You Scratch My Back, I Scratch Yours. So he covered other band songs, and he was hoping that other bands would then return the favor. Most of them did. Arcade Fire did... Um, uh, I can't digging in the Dirt? They didn't do oh, Digging okay. in the Dirt. Nine Inch Nails should do Digging in the Dirt. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Or I would like to see a trans version of uh, Steam. Or, or big time. It's big time, man. That'd be How's great. How's it feel to make it real? So how does that? that yeah, the, yeah. That actually, that remix sounds just like a Peter Gabriel song to me for right. the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's oh, got. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's got some stuff that kind of more resembles uh, Trent and Atticus's synth uh, as a soundtrack work later. But anyways, um, that's it, and I feel like that's it for for our remixes right there. I think that's the remix roundup. So one last little thing we got to talk about tonight. This came out in 2007. Was the... Uh, 2006. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Besides You in Time DVD, which was a live recording. Um, it was recorded... Do you ever record that, Mark? I do. It was recorded in two different cities, uh, March 28, 2006 and March 30, 2006, uh, both in Oklahoma City, or one in Oklahoma City, one in El Paso, Texas. So and this, this, is after, uh, this is after Jerome Dillon left the band. That's so right. You got uh, Josh Freeze on the drums. Yes. Josh Freeze was from the Vandals. Yes. He was also in Perfect Circle. He also played on, quite literally, maybe uh, 70 other records. <laughs> He's, he's a, a pro, pro he's a, studio musician. Yeah, he's a pro studio musician, but also he got started in the, the Vandals. How do you, are the Vandals good, Eric? I never really got into them. Uh, when I went through my punk phase, uh, the Vandals were pop punk, but be, they were really funny, so that kind of helped it. Um, you know what I mean? And their early stuff was a little sloppier. Uh, they ended up turning, you know, they ended up getting way too clean cut, but they got some good jams. But yeah, his drumming was always amazing. So uh, this is Halo 22. Eric and I rewatched it, not together. We both watched it last night. Um, I haven't watched it in years until recently. Uh, Mark, you haven't watched it in years, right? 
Yeah, it's been years. I had never seen it actually until last night, but then it occurred to me that that was the show we were at. Well, I mean, it was the same tour from the that was the pre-release tour, right? Uh, yeah. No. It, oh no. Oh, this is from no, this is from Josh Freese joined it, so this is after. Yeah. This is like like the no. second wave of the tours or something. Right. right. Um, some just some things to call out like. Overall, the performance is way tighter than the one in the last DVD we watched, and I think that's attributed to the clarity and the head of the lead performer. This is a, Trent Reznor's become a way better performer in the last uh, fifteen years. Yeah, this is the tour that they did with Peaches and Bauhaus and uh, TV on the radio and uh, that leg. That I did not see. That you didn't. Not, you didn't yeah, see this one. This was the Summer Amphitheater. They played this. Yeah. Uh, this is the tour that I saw at the Shoreline. Okay. It was an amphitheater tour. I think because they played some stuff like Burn, uh, which I they did play when we saw them in the when we saw them in the uh, Reno in the the pre tour. Yeah, um, some stuff they do that that I really enjoy. This might be my favorite version of Terrible Lie Live. Oh, it really yeah. brings it. It's good. They all I love their March of the Pigs because they actually start with the keyboard player doing all this crazy synth stuff and you're like oh wait I've never noticed that part of the song before but that's always in the background and they let him kind of they let him carry it with the uh, with the synth work yeah it's got a rare burn performance uh, this might be where they started shortening close closer quite a bit and then cutting in sanctified or no not sanctified uh, only time only right time yeah yeah so I think it's really where they started doing that uh, the majority of the the set list is uh, with teeth and the downward spiral, one fragile song. One fragile song, which is the big come down. If you're gonna pick one, the big come down is a, a good, good one. one to play live. Yeah, uh, Trent Reznor's buff as hell in it. He also is wearing a lot of eyeliner. If you look closely, yeah. uh, he's got a shaved head. Um, I find it interesting that they cl- the hurts the band hurts the closer closer, but then the uh, the encore is hand that feeds and head like a hole. I kind of like that better. I think it would be fun to go out on a high-energy note like Those that. two songs go great together. Yes, they do. Uh, thematically, they're kind of similar. Peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a good... It's, it's, a, it's that main... It's the same lineup that's on the, the album, except you have Josh Freeze on drums. And uh, the highlight of the DVD for me is definitely uh, Aaron North, who was the new guitar player. He's... I think he was kind of divisive amongst Nine Inch Nails fans because he's a whole different taste than what they were used to. They were used to guys that were, you know, uh, putting powder in themselves and just flopping all over the place. He's a... Sometimes he'd wear a suit and a tie. And he's a total rock star dude that's jumping all over the place, doing leg kicks. He likes to throw his guitar around his neck and then grab it and do like an Atari He smashed song. himself over an amp towards one of the last songs. Yeah, yeah he, uh, he's high energy. But he does, he, the way he approaches guitar playing makes some of the older songs sound completely new when he gets to like get, do a little solo or something. I really, uh, I, I enjoy his, his presence. I enjoy, I was a big Icarus, not big, I, I was a, I enjoyed the Icarus line too. I just like, his weird style of rock stardom guitar playing amuses me. I'm glad he's not, I, I, for if, if that stuck around forever, it would have got old, but for a good chunk of time, it was fun. I enjoyed Air North a lot too. Apparently, he hit a security guard with a uh, mic stand, which resulted in a pretty uh, substantial uh, lawsuit. And uh, it was 
settled out of court for a, reportedly a very high sum. So maybe that also triggered him into not being in the music industry. And he also famously, during an Icarus line show at the Hard Rock, uh, Rock Cafe in Austin, Texas, he used a mic stand, again, to smash a protective case that contained a guitar uh, that yes. was owned by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, liberate, liberate a SRV guitar. Yep. <laughs> and uh, security... From whence you came. <laughs> security uh, uh, threw him out of the building. Before he could plug the guitar in. Yeah, that that uh, that DVD is worth a watch. It's a good performance. They do a good job of making of really uh, emphasizing the the lighting effects. Yeah. There's really good lighting effects. It's it. it's it's beautiful. It's crisp. It looks really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of the the themes of the album are actually expressed with the visuals in a way. Yeah. And also the uh, I posted a few things I posted to the the Facebook page. Is I found the video footage from uh, uh, right where it belongs, just the video footage without. The oh yeah, the, the the what they were projecting. Yeah, yeah. which is it's kind of similar to the hurt video footage, but then it goes in its own way and becomes almost like if you were a, it's almost like a Talking Heads video. It, it looks it like an airport security or like a total total recall when you walk through and they yeah, but, they but, project your X ray on the wall. Yeah, but then, but then <laughs> it goes into like a lot of the, like consumerism is bad. Type sure. Of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, they, yeah, it starts as X-rays and then it turns into it turns into yeah, yeah, yeah some big world uh, global atrocities. Yeah, and uh, that's about it for that. <clears throat> yeah, uh, totally worth a watch. Oh, the other thing I posted was just uh, a video of the live version of "You Know What You Are," but just Josh Free's playing. It's All just right. a camera trained on him, and uh, he's amazing. The drumming on the yeah. song is killer. You give, the right. dr- give the drummer some. Now that was the last Nothing Records uh, Halo. Oh, correct? no kidding. Or yeah, yeah the right. last uh, uh, Nine Inch Nails that had the Nothing Records imprint. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, so that yeah. was the With Teeth era. Sure uh, was. Friends were lost. Uh, do we do we talk about since you said that was the tour with the Bauhaus? Do we talk about the Peter Murphy shows? Uh, you could. Uh, we'll just mention this. Uh, I'll mention that you can find bootlegs of the radio broadcasts of uh, Trent Reznor uh, playing Bella Lugosi's Dead with TV on the radio. Uh, them doing a Perry Ubu song called The Final Solution. Uh, Warm leatherette night, night clubbing. Um, it's Night a club, pre- huh? Yep, they do a Peter Murphy solo song. They do "Reptile Hurt" and uh, "Head Like a Hole." Yeah, uh, and, and they totally re- they redo the music, which yeah. is cool. Like the I music, listen to it. I guess I should give it a shot. Yeah, the music sounds really cool. They redo it. It's you, it's, you just say Peter Murphy to me, and I just yeah. I leave the room. I don't. You don't like Bauhaus? Nope. Interesting. Oh man, Bella Lugosi's Dead. It's a great song. Yeah, it is their a good song. Ver- their cover that is so good, and it's and it's with. Uh, it's with uh, Twiggy and and you know it's I think it starts with just Trent doing the back and then the band starts slowly coming in yeah. as they play. It's it's a really cool show and and Peter Murphy fits perfectly. He it's it actually recorded in different sound checks throughout different cities. Right. So yeah. And every time that Peter Murphy like the song the Nine Inch Nails songs they do with Peter Murphy are the same ones except for Head Like a Hole, which he does a great job on it. But it's the same ones they do with David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And Peter Murphy does his own twist on it, and it's 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 great. It's, I don't know. I, I like that whole thing. I think it's great. Uh, my wife is a huge fan of Peter Murphy, oh, so no kidding. Okay. <laughs> First of all, disparaging Peter Murphy. I mean, like, granted, you know, he's a bit of a meth head, but you know, his. Did really? Uh, I didn't even know that much. Uh, there was something I just where never got in the Bauhaus. There was something where somebody hit him with a car. 
or something, but but then he was on meth, so it, it turned into this whole thing. It was a couple years ago. That was the best of us. It's too bad. I, yeah. I, uh, during that tour, I did see Bauhaus then open up for him, and Peter Murphy was, you know, kind of doing his, like, Mick Jagger goth yeah. kind of uh, thing. He was throwing roses out to the crowd. Sure. Um, he, there was a lot of crowd work being done. Um, who's I can't remember who the guitar player is for Bauhaus. He's in Love and Rockets, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, I, can't I can't remember his name, but he would actually walk through the crowd, and Shoreline, that's no easy feat, you know? So I thought it was it was not a bad show. Funny Peter Murphy story is way back when my wife and I first got together, we went on a road trip and I I knew who Bauhaus were, but I didn't know anybody's names of anybody in the band. Yeah. And she played some Peter Murphy solo stuff. And I've grown to love this stuff, but he does a kind of thing with his voice. And I was like, oh, you like Creed, huh? <laughs> and uh, she, she never let, she still to this day brings up the fact that I don't know music because I think Peter Murphy sounds like uh, Scott Stapp. <laughs> That's too bad. Anyways, but yeah. They're not collective like soul, as we've discussed. No, no, no. Um, so anyways, their songs are fantastic together. Look it up. Before you people send me Twitter hate mail, Daniel Ash. Daniel Ash is the, uh, the guitar player. Good. All right. So um, that wraps up with teeth, but let's go ahead and give our little ratings. Steven, out of nine inch nails, what do you give this bad well, boy? Well, it's really difficult as we go along with these things to not just say... Like if you, you know, these are, this is a, our, our favorite band, arguably. So it's almost like you always want everything to be on the high end scale. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we get to Ghost, that'll be easy to give that one a four. But um, I think I will give this an eight. Okay. Eric. All right. Very nice. Seven, five out of nine. Seven point five out of nine. Seven's too low because the highs are so goddamn high. But the lows are are forgettable, and even even downward spiral, their lows are lower, but not forgettable. Seven point five. Uh, it's uh, We're fine. We're gonna leave friends. Tonight. We're fine. <laughs> this album is not definitive Nine Inch Nails, but it is certainly a excellent chapter in the Nine Inch Nails there story. There are times where I could say it's my favorite album, but that's just because I. It's more. Not my favorite one as much as I can listen to this one the most. I can really. It goes down one. smooth. It's it not challenging. Yeah, yeah. It it's uh, sometimes you just want a Budweiser on a hot day. Yeah, I feel yeah. like the. Uh, I feel like if the absolute value was more than 0.5, though, Steve would just be throwing stuff right now. Sure. <laughs> if we were even more than a, a anything, half. If it's anything below seven, we'd be having words. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what I would do is I would keep track of what you grade the next ones when there are some far inferior product coming up in the future, Trent Reznor. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't say that he's peaked at this point, um, but there definitely is some dodgy stuff that's coming up, I'll be honest. so It's never bad. But just it's never bad. It's just different, yeah. and it's it, it re- requires a little bit of commitment to really get into it. Well, I'm actually, I'm really curious how Year Zero is going to be, because I'm way less familiar with Year Zero. As am I. But I, I remember enjoying it. Yeah. But I, I besides God-given... Survivalism, capital, capital G, capital G, and the closing track, which I know the name of that song. Zero sum. Zero sum. I can't remember much of it. Yeah. So, um. Well, is there anything in between? No. Nope. Right. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be going over Niggy Tardust. We'll probably mention it in the eh, next episode. There's also a Year Zero remixed album as well, oh, but we'll talk about that. Um, yeah. just like we do further, just like we did. Uh, you know. 
Well, I'm going to probably edit this down a little bit, but uh, thank you for staying along with us, listeners. Um, I... uh, I I want to put this out as one episode. Um, seeing how we put these out, probably like once a month. I think you guys can take a three-hour episode, um, but I may pare it down. We're we'll about, see. We're about once every two weeks when we once every. Two weeks. <laughs> like we'll once, see. Once one comes out, we're about every two weeks. But there's yeah. Yeah, we'll see about that. Um, Just make it one episode. Just give them, give them what they want. Get the people what they want. Make it big. Um, So thank you again for listening. Uh, We really enjoy all of the reviews, feedback, and any sort of um, clarifications that you love to throw our way. We love it. Steve, we have a new uh, Instagram. Oh yeah, Uh, uh, trying to promote shit on Twitter is nigh impossible. But I got a wild. uh, (laughs) That phrase is dirty. I, uh, when I was on my trip to San Francisco, I was like, I should just make a little Instagram account and just start posting our show descriptions there. And the miracle of hashtagging has made a whole bunch of people like learn about the show. So, yeah, we we have an Instagram. It's just what is it? Pod like a whole podcast or something? I think so. Yeah. Uh, underscore. If you just underscore. search your pod like a hole on it. Yeah, you'll you'll find it. it you'll, you'll find it. it'll it'll be most of the stuff that's at the Facebook page too, but. It's just another feed to try to get the word out there. Yes. Um, And as always, this is Mark Branstead thanking you for your time and attention. And we hope that uh, you had a great time listening to this as much as we have fun making them. Uh, Any other sign-offs you guys want to do? Are we good? It's 1238 a.m. on June 3rd. That's right. All right. Timestamp. So we didn't make this show an evergreen situation, so we uh, definitely put a timestamp on it. Go Cavs. Uh, so with that, we hope that you, uh, I don't know, what, what's our call thing? Do we have it? <laughs> I don't think we've got a sign off. Uh, the pod. Oh, yeah. We hope we brought you closer Christ. to pod. Marcus. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>